What's up, everyone? We're back for another episode of Locked On Bucks. And uh, apparently while I was sleeping, some stuff happened with Kyrie Irving, but we've spoken about the other contenders in the East. And now that it looks like maybe it could change in 24 hours, but now that it looks like Kyrie Irving and KD potentially are going back to Brooklyn, what does that mean uh, for the Bucks? And I mentioned John Wall yesterday. He might be off the table. He worked out, uh, by the way, a pretty favorable buyout, if you ask me. So congratulations to him. So we'll talk about John Wall. Uh, and then we'll get back to the draft. There's a couple of other signings the Bucks had after the draft we haven't touched on yet. Uh, so we're going to do that. Let's get started. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. ESPN alongside me from the Bucks Radio Network, uh, fresh off a long draft night show over there in Milwaukee. It is Justin Garcia. And of course, we thank you for making Lockdown Bucks your first listen of every day or your first watch of every day. And particularly those that get really active in the YouTube comments. I think the longer we go on YouTube, the more subscribers we get, the more conversation there is. There's a few little friendly arguments. It's good stuff. Uh, but we love uh, the interaction Anyway, and I, I mentioned we're going to talk about Kyrie Irving, and you might be sitting back and thinking, well, why are you going to talk about Kyrie Irving on Locked on Bucks? But it really does. It, it matters for Milwaukee, what happened with the Brooklyn Nets and what happens with these other contenders in the Eastern Conference. And it's clearly not the first time we've spoken about the Brooklyn Nets and what appears to be a pretty messy situation and how it unraveled and how that really was good for the Bucks. Uh, but now I slept through it. So I woke up and the end result was it's that looks like he's going to opt into his $37 million deal. He had some interesting stuff to say about that as courageous move, I guess, to uh, opt into $37 million. But if the Nets do come back into this season and miraculously Kyrie Irving's ready to play and miraculously Ben Simmons is ready to play and Kevin Durant can sort whatever differences he has with the franchise and he comes back to play, Pretty good starting point for a contending team if they're together and ready to play. Well, the other part of it is uh, the the Kyrie <laughs> and just the the statement and everything where you you start to hear like oh the Kyrie news and there's been so much that that's come out from him and his his camp the last couple of days that. As soon as you heard it, you thought, I, "I'm pretty sure I already know what you're talking about." But then seeing, like, "Oh no, he's opted in and he's released a statement that I'm here to stay at least for this year, and I'm going to fulfill, as he put it, his four-year obligation." So, I mean, who knows what Kyrie is is thinking, and you can't really get in the mind there. But I took the statement to be, "I said I'd play here for four years, so I'm, I'm playing here for the fourth year. This is maybe it. They become really interesting next year." because KD uh, signed that extension when none of it, the other guys did that, you know, he's going to be there and Ben Simmons is there, but they're potentially a, a big time cap team next summer, which is a scary thought with Kevin Durant. 
where where it gets really interesting this offseason is, you know, if Kyrie Irving left, the Bucks became not that they're not an attractive destination already, having won a championship, but they became much more attractive because Miami is, you know. I think it's pretty clear what they want to do when Philadelphia is, has, has the tax or the mid-level exception to use. They're certainly a team in the East that'll garner some attention from free agents, but Kyrie leaves, you take Brooklyn out of the mix, wherever Kyrie goes, who knows what they have to offer, but that's going to hurt their cap situation. So it, it really helped the bucks for Kyrie to leave and Brooklyn to kind of blow up now with him staying and with Kevin Durant still there, they might be competing for the same guys that you would throw the taxpayer mid-level at. And I think TJ Warren is probably the biggest name out there that now it's an interesting choice for TJ or whoever it is that decides if it comes down to the bucks and the nets, do I want to play with Kyrie and Kevin Durant for this one year? Do I want to play with Giannis in this group for this one year that it, that's the unfortunate part of, of Kyrie doing that. But it's a, it's a roster that I, I think we still like the bucks make up a lot more, but it's a really talented duo with those two. It's just a matter of will it work out? Yeah, well, we like the Bucks makeup again, and it's why I think they're the most stable team to pick as a title favorite or one of the title favorites or the favorite to come out of the East. And because there is no drama, and you generally, again, as we know, health comes into it, but generally with the Bucks, you don't have to worry about any of that unraveling mid-season and those types of things because with the personalities in Milwaukee with Drew and Chris and Brooke and Giannis, it's just not going to happen. But I think it's at least interesting because I know, I can already predict, there will be the YouTube comments will come in and people will say, well, Brooklyn, you know, Kyrie's crazy. You can't trust him. Uh, ben Simmons won't even show up, all those types of comments. And I absolutely understand why people would feel that way. But... Yeah, part of me does look at it. And part of the reason why I didn't think that Kyrie ultimately was going to leave and he would end up uh, opting in unless there was some sort of sign of trade where he signed a, a extension that was worth his while was because he already gave up a ton of money. This is a big payday here. I think most teams around the league would be saying, I don't know if I want to give you a four-year extension based on what we've seen the last three or four seasons. So... He kind of does have to if he if he has if he wants to, by the way, and if he doesn't want to play basketball, that's totally fine. But if he wants to play basketball beyond this season and he wants to sign another big deal, he probably has to show up and play and and not have a repeat of last season or the season before and get that, I guess, for him, maybe the final big three, four year max deal that I'm sure that would be uh lovely for him. So I, I think there's I think there's real incentive. For them to figure this out and I, I think it's an important distinction that you made too that most teams would be very hesitant to give Kyrie the max or a multi-year anything beyond three-year extension given what we've seen and, and you know take last year out of it just he hasn't been on the floor a whole lot the last mm -hmm. two three years so I think last year obviously complicates that even more but most teams would say well I'll take Kyrie on this deal, if it's a one-year deal, and if it's it's part of he opts in and, and uh, eventually gets moved, um, but giving him the four-year extension or a five-year, whatever it is, that's where most teams would get a little hesitant. And you know, I I didn't really know what to believe. I didn't think Kevin Durant was going to move this off-season. 
even if Kyrie moved on, we had that discussion actually on uh, ESPN Milwaukee over the weekend. It was me, our buddy Eric Name, uh, doing a show just talking about the Bucks cap situation and everything else. And, and we both said, I could see Kevin Durant leaving next offseason. I don't think he leaves and it's just a total blow up this offseason. Um, but the other part with Kyrie, why the more this went on, I shifted more and more towards, I think he'll stay there even though he's doing a pretty good job or his camp is doing a pretty good job of really hard pressure on the Nets with this situation, just because, I mean, one, when you saw his list of teams that were floated out there that he would be interested in playing in, it's just not possible that, you know, the Lakers were on there and anybody that acquires Kyrie in a sign and trade, we experienced this a couple of off seasons ago. Um, you're hard capped and, Lakers are already over the apron and only have eight players on their roster. Clippers were way over it with 12 players. The Knicks were close. The Heat were close. All of these teams were over the apron or very, very close to it and still needed to fill out the roster. And we saw how difficult that was for the Bucs, basically carrying second-round picks and minimums just because of that hard cap. So when he gave that list, you thought, this is great, but there's no chance this really happens with these teams. And then it came down to – is Kyrie Irving going to opt out and sign? I mean, does he want to play for the Lakers? Great. But Kyrie Irving is not going to leave 34, 36, whatever the figure was this year, million dollars on the table and then sign for a $6 million taxpayer mid-level, even if there's the, hey, we'll give you a long-term deal next. Nobody's going to do that. So it just seemed to make more and more sense that he's going to go back to Brooklyn this season. But to me, it was just – the statement that he released was the cherry on top where it was, it was very clearly Kyrie and it gave you no sense of, okay, everything is fixed here in Brooklyn that all the rumors of man, things are kind of starting to fall apart here. And you're seeing a lot of finger pointing. When I look at his statement, it, it basically confirms that for me that this is a one year forced marriage. And I think the blow up comes next off season. And like I said, I understand why people will be skeptical, uh, but to me, if you've got Kyrie, you got KD, and you got Ben Simmons, this is going to be a really good team if they're healthy and they all buy in and play. Which, if you're the Bucks, you know you probably the, there was probably other scenarios where the Nets could completely blow up and you wouldn't have to worry about them uh, at all. So the Nets, again, right now, as of today, could change by tomorrow, could change by next week. Uh, to me, uh, uh, again, one of the teams that you have to watch. Uh, I mentioned John Wall, and I want to talk about him, but I also want to talk about one other player on the Nets. That's I got a little bit of interest in, but first. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models. It's impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and waits while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry. They've only got one brand. They've only got one specification. It's no good for anyone. But if you go to rockauto.com, they've got an expansive catalog, which is actually really easy to utilize it's easy to find what you want you have all the different options the different information there uh, different price levels uh, for whatever may suit you as well but it's going to be cheaper you can save up to 30 percent, 50 percent even 100 percent more for the same parts that you would from that chain store so go explore that easy to use website and find the solution to your auto parts needs all you have to do is write locked on in there how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. All 
All right, I'm not trying to turn people away from the podcast. Uh, I mentioned Dante Exum as a free agent possibility on yesterday's podcast. Uh, honestly, I'd say the reaction was 50 50. Uh, there were some people that were just generally not happy about his injury history. I'll buy that. There's no doubt it's you're buying low. That is the definition of a buying low, and hopefully it pans out. Uh, there were some other people that just didn't think he was a great fit. And then there were some other people that just thought I was a straight-up homer, which you know was partly true as well. So can I interest you in a Patty Mills opting out of Brooklyn because he's like, I don't want to be in this situation anymore. I love Brooklyn. I moved here because I wanted to live in the city. But now I just went through this chaos. I want to play with Giannis. <laughs> I want to play with the Milwaukee Bucks. By the way, he signed a two-year, uh, twelve million dollar deal. So again, he's in that price range. He's not really losing any money if he decided not to opt in. I imagine Patty Mills would be a, a player that people would want uh, defensively, of course, in the playoffs. When we talk about you know, the type of player you want and defensively, what can they do in the postseason? Uh, yeah, maybe he's not that guy. At least he could probably knock down a three in the post in the playoffs, though, Justin. Uh, well, look, I, I, my eyes have been trained to assume Patty Mills would not hit any threes in the playoffs because it's just the curse of joining the Bucks. I'm inclined right. to think he's, he's going to pick up that option I think so, yeah. in Brooklyn. Um, but I mean, he's a, he's a guy that I would certainly not be opposed to taking a flyer on. He's going to be 34 years old relatively soon here. He was, I, I thought he was okay overall in Brooklyn last year he started off really really well and then kind of had some valleys throughout the year there and, and you know, there's nothing to really take away from the a four game sweep in the first round of the playoffs um he wouldn't be my top priority but I wouldn't have a problem with him being a guy that joins the team I would much rather uh assuming they do use it use the taxpayer mid-level on a, a bigger player or more of a wing perimeter guy than than a guy like Patty Mills, but uh, if it's plan B or plan C, I wouldn't have an issue with it. I agree with you. There's probably guys that, uh, yeah, can play the wing spot a little more versatile defensively that uh, could help. I've just always had this feeling, and by the way, I don't think he's leaving Brooklyn. I think he's very satisfied living in the city there, but uh, I've always had this feeling he was going to play for Milwaukee at some point. It's been too long since we've had an Australian on the roster. That's all I'm saying. Uh, But one guy I mentioned yesterday was John Wall, uh, and I... It wasn't even, honestly, it wasn't even that much interest for me. It was just, I knew that it was a name that was going to pop up eventually. And my suspicion was correct based on what I saw in the YouTube comments that there would be enough fans out there that would talk themselves into the idea of having John Wall. And I get it. Uh, The reality is he just hasn't played a lot at all over the last three to four seasons. Uh, he, he, He was bought out. So he had a $47 million deal for this season. Uh. So basically, the buyout figure, I think, is around 41. So I think he, he cut off about $6 million from the deal, which, hey, by the way, no surprises, he's going to sign the taxpayer mid-level with the Clippers, it looks like, and get that $6 million straight back. So in the end, he's going to be having his $47 million payday. So a uh, shout-out to John Wall and his agent for being able to work that one out. That seems like a pretty uh, swift deal for me. I don't know. Again, like this is a, a signing. If you, if the Bucks had signed John Wall, I could easily talk myself into the idea that this guy would be very handy as a backup guard. And, you know, but there will be some people that say that he wouldn't play backup. He would start next to Drew, whatever. You, I'm just basing it on the fact that we haven't seen him play. Um, but I will say I'm glad 
that he's gone to the Clippers rather than the Miami Heat or Philadelphia or one of these teams. I'm at least happy that if he's going there, he can stay out in the West. Yeah, he was um, he was very intriguing to me. I didn't think he was a a great fit for the Bucks. I wouldn't have turned him down, but I think his skill set it isn't really what the Bucks need. But I I don't think it's a bad move for the Clippers. I think he's I think John Wall is going to be pretty good. Not like he's an All Star, but I think he's going to make an impact for the Clippers or wherever it was that he went. I mean. I think it's something like a hundred games that he's played or just over a hundred since he signed that massive deal. But you know, we forget uh, two years ago in the weird year, he did play basically half the season. And I know it was a bad Rockets team where he was able to basically showcase himself, but uh, put up some pretty decent numbers and, and scored more than 20 points a game. The field goal percentage and, and three point percentage was okay. Um, but basically what he does best is, I mean, look back through the years with the wizards guys, he's made a lot of guys money. I mean, Martel Webster is very, very rich <laughs> many times over because of what John wall did for him. Otto Porter, the list goes on. So uh, I think with the Clippers, that's a really good pickup for them with the bucks. Like we kind of said before, I think you would look to more defense and scoring what you would want from that more so than just a guy that can get to the basket at times, but is primarily going to be a really good distributor at this point. Uh, but I think John Wall, I, I think a lot of people are are kind of sleeping on him and just assume he's done because he didn't play last year. If you hear the stories too, it sounds like a lot of why he didn't play last year was a miscalculation on Clutch's part that they did the opposite of what Chris Paul did, where it was come to OKC play and we promise we'll put you in a better spot. They thought we'll just do the opposite here. And it, it kind of torpedoed any value that John Wall had. So I think that's kind of why there's a lot of negative vibes with John Wall. But I think, you know, we're just basing this off the videos that we've seen. And just like every other player this time of year, him being in the best shape of his life. But I think he can still play and at least be a very, very good backup in this league. Yeah, it would be interesting to see. There was some cap- comparisons made to, you know, what Al Horford was able to do. And by the way, yeah. I, I do, and you know, Horford was great this season. I probably suspect that John Wall might have a little bit more left in the tank than maybe what Al Horford does. They play different roles, but we'll see. But yeah, maybe uh, the year off has him in a good position. Uh, but I can certainly understand why the Clippers or why other contending teams are interested in a player like that because I think the quality uh, is pretty rare that you're going to be able to get him uh, for that price point there. I want to ask you about the draft. I haven't really spoke to you about the draft since it all went down. As I said, you were on radio for about four hours straight, I think you told me. So we'll talk about the draft after I talk about betonline.net, which is number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. You can find all the latest sports developments, league reviews and news, including the Major League Baseball that's going on right now, NFL Futures. You can see... On the website as well, Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. And I've got the NBA regular season MVP 2022-23 odds here. Uh, who do you think is the favorite? You might know. Um, are you saying it's Giannis? No, it's it's not. But oh. it probably should be. But I guess um, you get the bump because he's won two MVPs. I. Uh, I'll say Luca. 
Yes, that's correct. Luka Doncic, five to one. You can get a bet online.net, Joel Embiid. Uh, second favorite there. Then it goes Giannis, Kevin Durant, Nikola Jokic, Steph Curry, Jar Morant, Jason Tatum, uh, and and down the list there. Is there any rough roughies here that I would like? I don't think so. Uh, I wouldn't be buying Zion Williamson at 33 to 1. But LeBron James, 25 to 1. I don't know when he started the season that low in the betting, but uh, the man is like 38 years old now. But anyway, go to betonline.net for all the betting information. Head to the website or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. That's Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, the draft. I've spoken about it. Uh, what did you think? Whether it was pick 24, whether it was the fact they still reportedly, I, was, I, was, I had to double check all the social media, but no, I haven't got nothing in my inbox about anything official about the trade there with pick 58. Am I? Have I missed something there? I haven't seen anything. Uh, I thought we did get confirmation on that. I could have sworn now. Now you're making me question it that I have to double yeah. check uh, the email that we got from, uh, from Bucks PR, but I could have sworn they did regardless. Um, I was uh, I was a little surprised that it, it seemed like all the indications were that um, if if you try to play detective and read between the lines with what John Horst said to the media what, a week prior to the draft, you can pull out some of the sound clips of him talking about their preparation and convince yourself, well, they're they're clearly trading this, and it would have made sense. But we've talked about it before. Sooner or later, you have to get some type of value with a draft pick. And I know John Horst gave a pretty good answer, too, about using the word value with draft picks. And, like, look, we've we've found value in other ways, that we've turned those second-round picks into trades. And obviously the Drew Holiday trade, that that's still technically us using the draft to find players, which is true. But at some point, you got to find a young guy that you can develop and is controllable and cheap for contract with how expensive and old this team is getting. Um, so in that sense, it made sense. And when you look at his, the player profile, it also makes sense that this is a team that is, you know, defensive and they would point to that for their NBA championship, especially under bud. And I thought the other interesting takeaway from John Horst prior to the draft was, you know, we talked about, what should the Bucks do? And everybody else has, has said, target this player and we need more of this. But John Horst kind of shot all that down and, and said, you can't be a prisoner of the moment. And it's not, you know, this team beat us with this, so therefore we need that. We just got to get better at the areas that we're good, we feel like, and find guys that fit our systems. And, you know, uh, we talked about finding, well, you got to find scoring and you would think maybe you want a big here, but it was, let's get another wing that can defend and defensively fits in perfectly with us. So I think he's going to play. And I think the bucks, you know, if you listen to John horse, they gave those indications as well. We saw Dante play a lot early his rookie season. So I think we'll see somewhat similar of a path here for Marjan Bochamp, a, a lot of G league though, but Overall, it's a really intriguing pick that I can live with a guy that maybe has a lot of flaws offensively because we know defense is going to keep you on the floor with Bud. And, you know, he's shown the progress and ability to get better. And when you look at some of the things he's done defensively, it's also pretty easy to point to that and say, man, get him working next to Giannis and next to Drew Holiday and learning from that duo, especially on the defensive end. And we could really have something here down the road. 
Uh, uh, by the way, talk about <laughs> drafting for uh, position or need or, or whatever your strategy is. I was definitely starting to sit forward in my couch a little bit after everything I've said about the Bucks not drafting Walker Kessler when he was still there and it got to pick 21, <laughs> pick 22. I think he went I think he went 22 in the end. Or it might, yeah. might have been 21. I was around that mark. I was like, oh, my goodness, they're going to draft him. And I'll be very positive. <laughs> but anyway, they didn't. It's all good. But Marjan Bochamp, so, uh, and you mentioned Dante DiVincenzo. So, you know, historically, I think there is the, the idea or you know, perception, I guess, that, that Bud doesn't really play the young guys. And I think, honestly, I mean, I think the real reason is because they haven't had guys that are young that are very good by NBA standards. Um, and certainly they weren't up to it defensively. So, the guy that I always point back to is Dante. I mean, he played in his rookie season and Bud was like straight away, like, all right, you're good to go. Let's get you out on the floor. Let's get you playing. So I, I just think again, and I, I always get into Frank about this because he's so negative and all that. And, but he's right. When you're picking at 24, the percentages that you're going to get a guy that's a long-term ro- rotation player, is a bit of a crapshoot. Let's see. But I like that if you're going to draft someone in those areas, pick someone that, you feel comfortable is going to work his ass off, which everything that you see, everything you hear, Marjan Bochamp is going to do that. And someone that already has the defensive chops that you think can go out and play defensively right away, because then I think you're giving yourself the best chance uh, to have someone develop into a player. So there's no guarantee to work, but I like the, I like the theory. Yeah, and I think that the defense for me is the big part because it's going to keep you on the floor or at least get you on the floor early, yes. especially with Bud. And when you have a two-time MVP and a guy like Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday, you can live with, I'm not saying it's ideal, but you can live with offensive deficiencies because you're getting the offense in those spots. You just need to be able to stay on the floor defensively. And that, you know, think back to the playoffs uh, in series, the Bucks didn't play in, if you watched it. And most of what you would nitpick is this guy can't stay on the floor defensively. So that's, to me, kind of the starting point is you can stay on the floor on defense, you work on the offense, and even you know if it doesn't come along, it means your minutes are limited. But if you're a problem and a sieve defensively, that's where it becomes an issue that, man, it's just – tough to find playing in time. And I think, you know, the first thing you said too is a good point of we talk about, you know, the lack of development here with this team, but Dante's really been the only guy under Bud that DJ Wilson was there overlapping Bud, but you know, DJ Wilson was not at that level that Dante was. And we, we all joke about it too. Dante was literally the first player off the bench for the Bucks as a rookie. And we saw how much he played until the injuries ended that season and then the playoff run. So if if you are assignment sure and can play defense, you're going to play under Bud. Yeah, DJ Wilson, he had that one defensive possession that went viral. And he set everyone's dreams into, oh, in into crazy. It was basically like a three-game stretch where he had that defensive possession against the Pistons. He had a pretty good defensive possession or two against Anthony Davis as well. That He was riding high for about three days. He was. Ersan just didn't have enough nose breaks to, to keep him in the rotation. He came back with the mask, taking charges. Uh, there are a couple other names, and this was post-draft. I think we'll zip through these pretty quickly. Mostly I don't know a lot about them, but AJ Green. Uh, and there's conflicting reports. This happens all the time uh, in the post-draft. So I think Woj 
said that AJ Green from Northern Iowa was a two-way guy. Um, I yeah, yeah. Well, I someone I'm sure the listeners may have heard something. I haven't seen a lot about that, but anyway, AJ Green could really shoot the ball. He's 38 percent from three. Uh, in college on 7.7 attempts per game. So a high-volume shooter. Uh, and the other name that came up, uh, you knew a little bit more about Justin. Maybe maybe it's best for you to fill us in. Uh, but AJ Green, by the way, uh, kind of seems like Sam Merrill 2.0. And I should <laughs> mention, um, it was official in their press release. I could have sworn uh, the Marjan Bochamp that the Bucks did acquire the rights to Hugo Beeson for uh, cash. So... The Bucks have okay. made it official, um, but yeah, the on, other can, player... can, can, let's get a let's get a tweet out in the, in the world. Then can we get a tweet up for well, Hugo? Talk to talk to Eric or Dan on that one. Um, no, the other one, um, I I don't know much about this player or really any player that didn't play for Wisconsin, Marquette, Milwaukee, or Arizona. <laughs> um, but uh, Iverson Molinar, I think, is how you pronounce the last name. Um, I know um, one of the guys I know that works for Fox on their college side and does some of their scouting, I was, you know, bouncing some names off him leading up to the draft and uh, just names that you would associate with the bucks. And he was kind of meh on all of them, including Marjan Bochamp, but said in fairness, I only saw him when he was very, very young and maybe immature. So I haven't seen him since, Uh, but he did reach out to me immediately after that announcement that they had signed Iverson Molinar to, I think an exhibit 10 and said, I think you have something here. I'm not saying this year that he's going to be a big time or a contributor at all, but watching him play in college, I got to see a handful of his games. He's tough. He can score. He's got a really good floater. And uh, I thought this is a guy that a year or two, you let him develop. He could potentially be like an eighth or ninth man off your bench and give you some bench scoring. So we talk about finding some young talent. Maybe this is a draft or draft season where the Bucks start to find that finally and you develop Marjan Bochamp and, and maybe this guy Iverson Molinar sticks around and in two years or so we're talking about this is a guy that's starting to find some minutes here at the back of the bench bring on summer league uh well the uh, free agency starts at the end of this week uh, summer league only a week after that uh so we'll have some games be honest, free agency basically starts today as we're recording this a couple of days prior to the well july 1st i want to see some second round draft picks being taken from teams justin that's all i'm after justice i'm after justice that's all i want uh we thank you for making locked on bucks your first listen every day for your second listen get up to date on the latest news and rumors in the nba in just 30 minutes every day with locked on nba locked on nba your daily nba update in just 30 minutes and uh by the way uh, let me give credit where credit's due here as we're recording i did get a DM from, as I pull it up here, uh, Camby. I don't know what the handle is. Oh, well, the, well, the handle's at Glue Eater. So interesting. But uh, Camby <laughs> brings up an interesting point, which I did mean to bring up with the John Wall stuff. So they used the taxpayer MLE on John Wall, a guy that we spoke about on our uh, free agent target list. Isaiah Hartenstein, uh, potentially. You know, again, I, I think... I don't know. I mean, for me, if the Bucks are using that taxpayer taxpayer MLE, I would probably want to get a guard or a wing more than a backup big man. Seems like you're allocating significant funds to a guy that I think is good, by the way. 
I think he's a good player. But I just think there's a there's a better use of the allocation of funds uh, when yeah, they, they're assuming you bring back Bobby Portis, you got Giannis, you got Brook. I'm not sure that that's the path I would be going down, but he would be nice to have on the roster. He's a nice, uh, solid, solid player. Kevin Harlan loves saying his name. <laughs> I, I really like Hartenstein as well, and, and thought you saw a lot of progress from him. This past season, he can play on the perimeter a little bit and uh, is obviously a good defender and, and has the size. But it it's not like uh, what's a better comparison like the NFL where you have the, okay, let's here's our quarterback waiting in the wings. You're not necessarily going to do that. You know, you're saying the Bucs well, don't need that Jordan Love. I don't want to trigger, I don't wanna trigger, I don't wanna trigger uh, anyone, by the way. I'm just saying. Uh, just I think saying. you just did. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's it's – that's not necessarily how it's going to work out that you have to start thinking about life after Brooke, but that doesn't mean you carry the guy now. Um, and if they were to add a big to me, you'd, you'd do that. If Bobby Portis leaves that I think assuming you're healthy, you're pretty comfortable with Brooke, Bobby Giannis in that front court. And you can always find somebody else to plug in there. You can play smaller. And if Marjan Bochamp starts to get more and more minutes with his size, you can play him and Chris and Giannis in that front court. So uh, to me, the the pressing need for big is obviously once you get to the offseason and who knows what happens with Brooke in the final year of his contract. But if Bobby Portis leaves, other than that, I think the perimeter is more important to your point. Now, it's going to be interesting. Uh, it starts this week, so we'll probably talk about it uh, a little bit more as the week goes on. By the way, I had someone ask if we're doing a movie review for Rise, the uh, the Giannis movie. <laughs> I haven't watched it yet. I might try and watch it in the next couple of nights here, and uh, I'm sure we'll discuss. I'm sure we will discuss. So we'll get to that as well as we lead it into free agency. But let's wrap it up. For Justin, myself, catch you guys tomorrow.